1: You know, guys, as we are going to be looking into God's Word this morning, I have been really anticipating this message actually for a couple of weeks now because I knew that we would be coming to this point in Paul's discussion here in this letter because really, this is really going to be the heart of why we meet as a church. Why churches exist, why churches function the way they function. Yes, we have belief systems. Yes, it's an opportunity for for you to share the gifts that you have that God has given you for the church to function well. But there's actually so much more than that. Because I'll be honest with you, you can have the right beliefs and you can even be exercising your gifts, but if this is missing, what we're going to talk about today, if this is missing, you actually have the opposite of what church should be. And in so many ways, a lot of churches are like this. A lot of churches can... Can miss this, and we're on the. And, and to be honest with you, every church, even if you have it, is on the precipice. You're on the cliff to where you could step off and lose it. What are you talking about, George? Well, I, remember I told you that when we talk about you being a part of church and what church is and what it means to be a part of church, that we're often dominated by wrong thinking. Remember I told you that? We've gone through several weeks now talking about wrong thinking. I want to hit a couple of more today about what's going on with our thinking when it comes to church. Now, here's the first one, okay? If you're writing this down, we evaluate church based upon what we can get from it. We evaluate church based upon what we can get from it. And that's what North American Christianity is. I mean, if I don't like it here, if I don't like the music, you know what? They played the a cajon today. If I don't like the cajon, I'd rather go have a full drum set working. You can go to another church. and Trust me, there's a lot of churches out there now in our area that have full drum sets. I can go to that church. Or if I don't like that preacher's preaching, I don't like the type of messages he gives... Just look around a little bit and you can find a church where the guy gives the kind of messages that you like or the gal gives the kind of messages that you like. We live in a consumer society where everything is based upon what you like and what you want. And you can choose what you want in church. And so we evaluate church based upon what can I get from it. In fact, here's what I've heard so many times before now. I'm sure it's been said of me, I've heard it said of other pastors, you see somebody and you say, oh, well, why aren't you going to that church anymore? Well, the messages don't speak to me. I'm not getting anything. First of all, can I, do you see the problem with that? Like your whole purpose for coming to church was a message? What's wrong? That's again, comes right out of that wrong thinking we talked about before, where church is nothing more than a service to attend, right? That's wrong thinking, right? Because church has to be more than just the preacher, right? And for you to say that you're not getting something out of it, that comes right into our wrong thinking today, what? That we evaluate church based upon what we can, what, get from it. It's not what you get from it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Church is not what you get from it. You've got to understand that. That's what's going on here. We've got this wrong thinking. Here's the second wrong thought. Like the culture, we think in terms of self. Have you noticed we're in a self-oriented culture? Have you noticed that? We're in a self-oriented culture. It permeates every aspect of our life. From the commercial. Have you noticed that the reason why they do the commercials the way they do is to appeal to something within yourself to get you to buy the what? The product? Even though they're weird and postmodern and they make no sense, it's still there to try to appeal to you to buy their product. The way the aisles are set up, have you noticed that? The way the aisles are set up, there's a science to it in, in, in merchandising. The way the aisles are set up at Walmart or at Save-A-Lot or anywhere is so that it appeals to you to what? Buy it. Like you go by and you see that Snickers bar at the checkout because you got to wait a while because the guy in front of you has got like a 100 items and the light, light's flashing and you're looking there and there's the Snickers bar. And the price says 90-some cents. And you're thinking that's a good deal. Only if you went over to the candy aisle, you could get a whole sleeve of Snickers for 90-some cents. But they only have the individual portion, which is you don't want a whole sleeve, you just want one. Well, you're going to pay for it, aren't you? Because we're in a society that thinks totally in terms of self. Now, here's what we do. We take that to church. We have the same expectations in coming to church. We have that expectation in terms of music. We have that expectation in terms of preaching and everything. Every, what kind of activities? Well, you don't have activities that meet my needs or our needs as a family. It's all about wrong thinking, wrong thinking. And here's what I want you to see is, is we want to blow that wrong thinking up and see that there has to be something more than you when it comes to church. There has to be something more than you being motivated by what you want. Because let's stop for a moment. That's what's motivating our society, isn't it? How are we doing as a society where everything is motivated by what you want? We're not doing too well, are we? Not doing too well at all. And if we bring that thinking, and let's be honest, we have brought that thinking into church, is it any wonder that we want something more? Because there actually was supposed to be something more. And I'm going to tell you what that something more is. Are you ready for it? Love. We're going to look at a passage today that is, to be honest with you, used a lot in marriages. And it's okay if you had that in your wedding. It's a beautiful passage says a lot about love, and that's okay. But can I be honest with you? The context of the passage, are you ready for this? Don't stone me, has nothing to do with marriage. It has to do with church and why we do what we do in church. In fact, why do you do what you do in church? It has to be about love. Did you understand what I'm saying? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this passage together. We're actually going to start. The passage actually begins over in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. We're going to start at verse 28, and we're going to go up to verse 8 of chapter 13. So notice with me what Paul writes. Verse 28. It's talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about you being gifted by God. He says this, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet... I will show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and of knowledge, and though I have all faith that I may remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my... Goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And whether there is prophecy, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at this passage, and we're going to divide it up into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, what really matters. When we talk about church, talk about the greater whole, and we talk about you being a part of the greater whole. That's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series to understand why you are important to the church and that the church can't function without you. We're going to see about what really matters as far as your involvement in the church. Okay, we're going to see that today. And then we're going to look at the important part. So let's look at what really matters. Look with me, verse 28. He says this 28 through 31. And God has appointed these in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after miracles, then miracles of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets. Are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Here's what I want you to see. What really matters is this. God has given a variety of gifts to the church. First thing you got to understand, he gives a list there. Some of them have no purpose today like apostles, but here's the point. He goes on and says that there are all these other gifts. God has given to the church a variety of gifts. Now, okay, I want everybody to do this, okay? All right, Because because I want to make sure you're awake and alive, okay? All right. I want you now, rather than just focusing on me, I want you to do this. I want you to turn your head this way and then just kind of slowly turn around and scope out everybody in here, okay? Look them all out. Look around. See everybody here, okay? I know some of them are scary, They're thinking the same thing about you, okay? All right, so just kind of look around here. See everybody here? Okay, now, here's what I want you to understand. As you looked around, there's quite a few people here, right? Okay, all right. Every one of them has a gift to be used in the church. And here's the other thing. It's different than your gift. Now, some of them maybe have a gift like yours, but even their gift is a little bit different than your gift. There is a variety of gifts here that God has given. Do you understand what I'm saying? God has given everybody a gift here to be used for the benefit of the church. You are important to the church. Haven't I told you that already in several weeks now? We're up to week five. I haven't said that. Stop saying that. Week five now. You're important to the church. You may, if you want to write that down, write it down. You're important to the church. And number two, the church can't function without you. Why? Because God gave you a gift to be used in the church, right? All right, everybody got that? Okay, surely after five weeks you got that. Here's what I want you to see the second thing, though. Because what really matters, can I tell you something? You're going to say, wait a minute, now that's a contradiction. What really matters isn't the gift you have. Whoa, wait a minute, George, hold on. You just said I'm important. I can't, church can't function without me. Now you're telling me it doesn't really matter? No, oh, it's important because God gave it to the church. He gave you with your gift to the church. It's important. Yes, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. You understand? There's a difference, isn't there? You're important, but it's not the most important thing. What's the most important thing? What really matters? Here's what I want you to see. Look at what he says there in verse 31 but earnestly desire the best gifts. So, okay, earnestly, look for it. Look to use your gifts. He's telling you, go for it. Figure it out. Do what God's telling you to do, but look at what he says here. And yet, I will show you a more excellent way, something even better. There's actually something more important than you exercising your gift. i let just stop for a moment. It's important that you get involved. You understand? That's why we're doing this series. But there's something even more important. What is it? Here it is. In fact, my second point there is something more important than your personal gifts. And it's what we're talking about today love. Love. That's got to be the reason, that's got to be the motivation. Because here's what I want you to see. Gifts are important. Gifts are wonderful. Gifts were given by God to be used in the church. But if the reason for using them isn't right, here's what will happen. You'll burn out. If your motivation for using your gift is selfish, you'll get discouraged you'll get to the place, listen to me, you'll even get to the place where you will feel like, and this happens, that nobody appreciates you. ever been there? Come on, Mom. Come on, Mom, you ever felt that way? You do, do the laundry for your kids, making the meals. Your hubby comes home, kicks off his dirty shoes, walks around with his stinky feet, throws his underwear everywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody's appreciating you. Dad, you got your own reasons too, you feel that way. But listen: when your focus is self and using your gifts, it only leads to emptiness and discouragement and anger and other wrong things. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is why he's saying, God gives a variety of gifts. Isn't that wonderful? We're all important. We're all needed. But there's something more. There's something more that's more important than your personal gifts. There's something more than your personal gifts. And this is what we've got to grasp in church. This is what keeps the church from functioning the right way because if we or any of us have this concept that church is only going to be there because of my personal gifts then we're missing it because here's what the most important thing is the most important thing I've already mentioned to you is what love See this is the this is the context of the passage Yes, you can use it for your wedding or your daughter's wedding or your granddaughter. You can use it. That's fine. It's okay. You can hang it on the wall, whatever. But it's about the church and what motivates people in the church. Do you understand? Or what should motivate people? So let's talk about it. The most important thing. Most important thing. Look with me. Verses 1 to 3. It said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I have give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. What's he saying here? Well, here's the first point. Personal gifts and actions are meaningless if there is no love. Personal gifts and actions are meaningless if there is no love. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're feeling like you're not being appreciated or you're not being used, if, if, if you got your perspective in a wrong place because you're looking at what you can get out of it. It's become a self-issue to you as far as your involvement in church. And the reality is is that what you do for the church, what you believe, what you think, all of that is meaningless if there isn't any love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been in a church where there was no love? You have been there? I've been there. That's a scary experience, isn't it? Believing all the right things, doing all the right things, but what? No love. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus said this in the in the Gospel of John By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. What kind of testimony is that when there's no love, right? You see what I'm saying? See, here's the thing, you can have all kinds of gifts, you can have all kinds of, if, if it self-motivates you, it's all meaningless, Paul says. Paul talks about, if I could speak like angels, it's meaningless if I don't have love. If I could discern all truth and have all understanding of all the mysteries of the world, if I don't have love, I'm Nothing. If I offer my body to be burned, what does that mean? If I die a martyr, but I don't have love and why I'm doing what I'm doing, I sacrifice myself. I'm nothing without love. Listen, you can be so involved in church, but if the motivation for you being involved in church is not because you don't love anybody else in church, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. Here's the second thing in that section. The essence of love is not focused on what you want. I want you to hear me. The essence of love is not focused on what you want. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I come here, When you come here and we are involved in church and we give of our gifts that he has given us to the benefit of others, it's not because of what I want. When it becomes because of what I want, then it gets messed up. Did you notice that? Then it becomes selfish. Then it becomes impure and incorrupt. It's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to exercise of our gifts, not because I get something out of it, but because the rest of you get something out of it. You understand what I'm saying? It's because of benefiting you. Well, I already know what some of you are going to say. Well, you know what, Georgia? That's our focus. It's supposed to be everybody else. Then who's going to worry about me? Think about that for a moment. That's a selfish statement. If everybody's focused on everybody else, somebody's going to be worrying about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The essence of love is not what you can get from it. You know, let me just stop for a moment. I said this passage has nothing to do with it's about the church. Well, there are some principles here you can take to your relationships and your marriages. It's not about what you can get from it, is it? The third thing about the essence of love. The essence of love is always focused on others. Look at what it says there. I'll read it to you again. Love suffers long. Now, what in the world does that talk about? Folks, you ever suffered long? You ever been patient with your spouse because they do throw their underwear around? That's suffering long, isn't it? It's been a long time, George. That's what love is. Do you understand? Love focuses on others. Look at what it says. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all, believes all, hopes all, endures all things. Love never fails. That's the essence of love. When you read that definition, is it selfishness here that's being expressed? Is it? Can't hear you? No, is it? Love expresses itself by focusing on what others want and what they need. Not what you want. Here's the final thing. Verse 8 to me is a powerful verse. Love never fails, but whether there is prophecies, they will fail. Whether there is tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. What's he talking about? Your gift, your gift that you have that you're exercising here is going to disappear at some point. Do you realize that? But I'll tell you what stands forever. Love. So here's the final point. Here's point number 8. The impact of love outlasts any impact your spiritual gift can make. The impact of love outlasts any impact that your spiritual gift can make. Do you realize that? I thought about that this week. I've been actually thinking about it all week long. I've been a believer now 30 years. I think about being a young Christian And even when I wasn't a Christian, I think about two men that came to my mind immediately when I read verse 8. Both men are home now with Jesus. One was a scoutmaster. His name was Frank Yandel, Presbyterian who loved Jesus. Had the greatest impact on me as a young man. Greatest impact on me. Created within me a desire to know about God in his own way. Not in a preachy way, but in his own way. That man had love for the kids that he worked with. That outlasted. I can't even remember any of the other leaders I had. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't even know who. I can't remember their faces. The other man was a man by the name of Mr. Gleason, a Nazarene preacher, worked at Liberty University. He had a tremendous impact on my life. He's now dead and gone on to be with Jesus. There were all kinds of other, there are all kinds of teachers. I can't remember half of them anymore. See, it's not the exercise of your gift. Have you noticed that about when you're in church a long time? People don't remember the people who, who were doing their, doing their gift and doing all this stuff, but they remember the people who what? Love people. Don't they? Some of you are remembering now, people in the churches that you were a part of. You don't remember the person that was always volunteering and always doing something. You remember the people that loved. And they're the ones that you hold in high esteem, aren't they? Aren't they? See, this is what he's saying. Gifts will pass away. But love never fails. See, listen, okay, so where are we going with this, George? Well, here's where we're going with this. I want you to listen to me. As we've been talking about the greater whole, and it is true. Number one, you are important to the church. You haven't written that down, write that down. You are important to the church. Number two, the church cannot function without you you hear what I'm saying? The church cannot function without you because you've been gifted by the church for a reason. But there's a third thing now that I want you to hear me about that is so important. If our church is not filled with God's love, it's all meaningless. If our church is not filled with God's love, it's all meaningless. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? This is what our culture needs. It doesn't need a moral police. Do you hear what I said? It doesn't need a moral police. People know when they're doing wrong. What it needs is a place where they know that they will be loved and helped through the wrong things that they do. Because Jesus is the one who cleans them up, right? Right? I hope you believe that.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania.